As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film, another podcast from the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Sitting next to me, wearing his Cthulhu shirt, Stephen Schleicher. Hello. Hello, Stephen. Hello. All the way across the state, but coming through your ears via the internet, <laughs> Matthew Peterson. Wearing a pink uh, shirt with a star on the front and cut off some sandals. It's the way I picture you every time we talk. Some people call it Steven Universe cosplay. I call it a lifestyle. Last week, after we recorded our show, yes. uh, we got talking, and we were talking and talking and talking, and Steven's like, hey, we should probably just, you know, do this on the show next week. And uh, so that's what we're doing this week. Matthew, you yes. brought up a realization, because you a watched thing. a film yes. that I had recommended a while ago, finally. When we Finally. were doing your recommendations, you had recommended your four films. And you had also said there were a couple of Alsorans, and one of them yeah. was Shame, yeah, featuring Magneto Fassbender, right? And um, I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, okay, so what is it that appeals to the Zach mentality? <laughs> and then, bang, Naked Sally Sparrow, and I'm like, oh, naked women. And so I realized this <laughs> okay. because when we, what is the, what is the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt film? With naked Don Julianne John. Moore. Yeah. Don John. She's not naked, At naked but we'll, we'll, we'll keep going with it. Okay. And then we watched the uh, the Italian movie with mm-hmm. naked Italian lady. Uh, yes, we watched. Yes. Um, oh, I'm going to say La Dolce Vita, but that's not right. Well, it's it's the, great La Dolce Vita. the Great Beauty. The Great Beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's the, the other one that I still have on my desktop to watch. Uh, it's called Under the Skin. Mm-hmm. Which reputedly has naked Scarlett Johansson in it. Yes. So, <laughs> what I'm finding is this connective thread, this tissue, this this correlation in all of your recommendations of specifically uh, kind of a, a sexual tone or a sexual undertone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in many cases, that's key to the plot, and also naked chicks, man. And again, if you're over 21. Or even if you're over 18, I think it is. I got no problem with that. But mm-hmm. my question then becomes, do you think that those themes are part of what appeals to you about these movies? Or is it just Naked Sally Sparrow? You know, I have thought about this before. Mainly when I was picking my films for Zach on Film. I might even mention it back then in January. Like There is something, there's nudity in a lot of the films Mm-hmm. And not not all the films that I like have nudity, but the ones that I uh, picked had some. I mean, technically, even Twelve Years a Slave did. But again, yeah. all of the I like to say none of the films that I like that have nudity 
are generally ever egregious with it. It's not for a titillation factor. It's more of this fact of life that people get naked every once in a while and then do whatever naked people do. But it is interesting in that and I found it really interesting that that's what you picked up from it was that there was <laughs> that's nudity more, in all the films. That's more well, of the uh, more interesting take on it is not that Zach picked films that had nudity, but of all the <laughs> films that Zach picked, you're like, hey, there's naked people in these. <laughs> Well, and I freely admit that that sort of thing appeals to me. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much in a puerile sense, although when I was in college, you know, there was the the Mr. Skin handbook where you're like, ooh, if you want to see X actor and actress naked. But there are movies that I watch that have people that I find extremely attractive in situations that are naked, but really, 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 really not that kind of naked and, and you what always pops you up probably don't want to watch watch ex machina then i may not oh, i haven't seen it, it yet it's pretty yeah. intense what always really? pops up for me is um the last five or ten minutes of requiem for a dream with jennifer Connolly, whom i've had a terrible crush on since the days of uh oh what was that thing where she was in it it was uh, risky business or something like that it wasn't risky business mm-hmm. but she and the guy who later grew up to be Brad, I think, in Pulp Fiction were trapped in a department store overnight. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. But I was looking at this and, you know, I grew up in central Kansas and I was actually raised by my grandparents in a setting where that sort of thing never occurred. Never did you see nudity or implications of nudity or anything in you know the movies or the television or even the books what are you what movies were were you watching in the 80s well first of all this would have been in the 70s because i'm talking about you know under 12 but second of all we didn't necessarily have hbo yet at that point in time and i never saw it that was that was the thing so you know, I, I freely admit that there are movies that I watch because of that, ooh, here's somebody in it that's really attractive. And yeah, maybe some of it is like, ooh, here's some entertaining love scenes or some some sex sequences. Or, mm-hmm. But there's a point where, you know, one of my favorite movies is Heavy Metal. There's a point where Heavy Metal just grates on me because I can't recommend it to people without feeling a little bit embarrassed about the amount of, <laughs> you know, 13-year-old high school drawing on the walls of the locker room nudity that you have mm-hmm. in that movie. It, I mean, it can be very embarrassing. And even now, I'll watch it, and I'm like, oh, that's a little cringeworthy. And then you move on, and you get to the cool stuff with the B-17 and all like that. But mm-hmm. I wondered if maybe you had an upbringing similar to mine where maybe that appeals to you because of the where's and the why's of the that young Zach never actually mm-hmm. interacting with that sort of thing. Uh, I think... That is possible if you want to go, you know, down that kind of psychological route that that was not an area that was freely discussed nor encouraged uh, when I was growing up with my family. Mm -hmm. And that is certainly, I mean, it's possible. That is a psychological thing that's slipping in through all my movie recommendations and it just happens to be in there. But that, that is a subconscious thing that I'm drawn to. Yeah, somebody. Um, yeah, but you know, I think there is this. When I look at films, I don't. I mean, it's in the case of Shame. You talk about recommending it. That's not a film I recommend to everyone because it's kind of <laughs> heavy 
and it's kind of i mean it's it's unrated it's, for a reason it's you, out there it's got some or i guess some it's disturbing. nc17 um you know it's not a film i tell regular people i mean on the street they should probably watch <laughs> that's some you know I talk to you guys regularly. Grandma, like, you guys grandma, probably hold this. Reverend Fonensteel, you should come watch this movie with me. Right, right. There is this, um, I don't know, maybe I just respect it in a little bit that people have the guts to kind of do these those kinds of scenes where it has almost this freeing aspect of they're free to do whatever they feel like in their films almost, where they can push the limits especially maybe in shame where they were actually in that scene in the hotel room, Matthew, when they're up mm-hmm. in like the sky rise where they were filming right. and there's people on the street just watching them have sex while they're filming <laughs> that movie. Wow. So, I mean, there's yeah. maybe something like that in there as well. Well, and at, at one point, uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about my recommendations on some of my favorite fictional characters. And one of my friends pointed out a theme in my recommendations, mm-hmm. uh, specifically of fictional characters, because he was like, who are some of your favorite characters from the movies? And I was like, well, I like uh, Chris Knight from Real Genius. I really enjoy him. And when I was a kid, and even today, I really enjoyed the original Herbie the Love Bug movies. Because, you know, those were kind of entertaining. You'd have these weird staid people, and then this weird Volkswagen would show up and just wreck their lives with being kind of a manic pixie dream automobile. Mm-hmm. But I listed like four or five characters, and he's like, you realize that all of these characters are basically smart-ass trickster archetypes who come in and change the people around them by being jerks. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I hadn't realized that. And he's like, and you know why this is... Uh, interesting about you on a Freudian level, and then I, you know, blocked him on Facebook and never spoke to him again. That's, Stephen, that's not do you think there's anything to read into my movie recommendations? Probably not. Uh, one of the things that happens, and I'd, I'd have to look and see what the rating is on those movie recommendations, but movies are given R ratings for reasons, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that you're going towards R-rated movies for puerile reasons or anything like that. But perhaps you're going to movies that have more mature themes. Oftentimes, more mature themes means things like over-the-top violence or over-the-top language or nudity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Overt th- sexuality. And it, maybe it's more looking at this from, um, you know, Disney movies are fine, but sometimes I need something that has a li- little bit more bite and meaning to it. And mm-hmm. when you look at a movie like um, uh, Lucy or something like that. Sure. Um, it does have a better, bigger meaning to human evolution and those kinds of things. And if she gets naked, well, then that's part of it, too. And in the case of Ex Machina, uh, the nudity plays an important role in the psychological bent of the creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, that has to weigh in, into it. And so sure. if you're dealing with those kinds of things, then um, then they kind of go hand in hand uh, so to speak. So I don't think that there's anything to be ri- uh, read into that. But as I was alluding to with Matthew earlier, movies of the eighties were just like, Hey, let's show boobies. And so mm. you got Porky's <laughs> and you got fast right. times at Ridgemont sure. high and you got, you know, Porky's two the next day and Porky's three schools out and, and back to school <laughs> and all this other stuff simply because it was, Hey, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And you know, screw it. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Well, that was, 
still happening now. And to extent, oh, it, if you look it, at the American sure Pie I mean, movies, yeah, if you look at American Pie, is the same way. Any so, of the horror movies, you know, it's not like yeah. you know, you know, for better or worse, these these kind of uh, themes often go together, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's you know, eighties, you know, raunchy rom coms. Sure. Or maybe it's something that has a higher meaning to it. So I'm not, I don't read anything into that. Okay. Well, that makes me feel good. I mean, if you look at, I think, especially the movies with the sex in them, they're never very straightforward sex movies because right, Shame right, right. is very a, a very sex complicated yeah. movie. Right. Uh, Under the Skin is a wackadoo mm-hmm. movie. I still haven't watched that because it seems too creepy. To it's me. really. I want to watch it again because if I it was known, just so quiet and slow. And if I would have known how intense Ex Machina got, yeah. I probably would not have watched. That. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because it's who's who's in that thing? Um, Oscar Isaac, yeah, the guy who's in. Um, he was in Drive, and he's in Good Me in Star Wars, the new Star, the new Wars, Star Wars. Yeah, I don't know any other actors. Only like two other like, people. Like a young Craig. Yeah, there's Kilborn. only like four people in the entire movie. So mm, no, okay. Craig Kilborn wasn't he the stand-up guy or late night? Yeah, he used, yeah. used to do no. the Late Show. No, was it wasn't a band with the current Doctor? No. back in the nineties. Oh wow, no. It um, has uh, Scotland is a small country. It's got Corey Johnson, Oscar Isaac, Alicia Vikander, Domin Hall, Gleason. It's got you know. It's just got a bunch of yeah. s- little known actors. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is probably about to blow up though. Oh yeah, yeah. You think so? Oh yeah. I mean, because he was in Drive, and then he did a couple other th- small stuff, and then he did this, and then he did Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I mm. think he's one of the main. Characters in Star Wars. I think he's a Sith. Yeah, I don't he, remember plays, what he, is. he plays Poe Dameron. There you go. In, in Star Wars, he's the oh one no, that's flying fighter. in, in the uh, X wing, not the Tie fighter. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah, sorry. Ah, uh, that's a disappointment. <laughs> the X fighters. Steven, the are, are there movies that you recommend that you might see a pattern in, or just things you always are like? You, you meet an old friend, you're talking like, oh, let me tell you about this movie that I recommend all the time. Um, I don't have movies that I recommend all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I like time travel movies, so it depends on, again, and it happens all the time with comic books. Two people are like, I, w- I want to get into comic books. What should I read? Yeah. And people are like, well, have you seen any good movies lately? And it's like, well, that kind of depends on your taste because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I may really, really, really like something mm-hmm. uh, that you hate. Mm-hmm. And so I probably wouldn't recommend that that movie. Right. Um, it's hard. Which makes it then... Uh, turns it into a very generic conversation. It's like, oh, well, have you seen 12 Years a Slave? Have you seen all these uh, Oscar-nominated yeah, movies? Sure. Have you seen The Big you, Hit this yeah, week? Have you, you seen know? the movies that have, made over a billion dollars? Yeah, have you seen Jurassic World? You know, it's so it becomes very hard to just sit mm-hmm. there and, and recommend movies to people. But, I mean, if you were to look in my uh, watch list history, obviously there are uh, recurring themes, time travel movies, obviously, and time mm-hmm. travel TV shows always pop up as a recurring theme in mine. Um, as are... Sci-fi movies that are super heavy on the theoretical or the actual science, sure. like Interstellar or Pi or, you know, any of those kind. Not, yeah. not pi, well, Pi to an extent. Pi. Any uh, uh, primer. primer. Uh, those kind of movies will pop up mm-hmm. time and time again. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you like the you like the kind of the pulp aspect, the the one tough guy in the midst of a corrupt system. I, I like do your, like those, too. I like trouble in Little China. And I, I do like Jones. those. And I, and I like, yeah, I do like those. So I, I think you can see patterns forming. But that's, again my personal taste but if you were to look at all those movies together it's like it'd be hard to find 
something like, well, all these movies have nudity. Yeah, all, sure. you know, it's like all these movies have time travel or all these movies have science involved. Or mm-hmm. as Matthew said, all of these are your lone guy against the world uh, coming out on top. Hero saves the day kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I yeah. think that's pretty normal stuff. So would those be your just kind of go to movies? Or here, here's no, the, so okay, you go do this first. Well, go ahead and with your with your. Well, comment. I was I was gonna change it, but are those your go to movies? Like are those are the ones you want to watch. If you don't really know what you're gonna watch, what do you just pop in and you're watching it all the time, or what do you have with you on your iPad? Well, so okay, so if there's something that I want to watch all the time, it's you know stuff that we've already mentioned: Indiana Jones, Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark, Big Trouble in Little China, Buckaroo Banzai, uh, Star Wars movies. I'll watch those again and again and again. Sure, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but what I, but it's a little bit different when I travel, right? Because I can't just put anything on your iPad and sit right. in an airport and watch it. Because people can watch it behind you. People can watch it behind me, right. and they may not think that Crash or Drive or <laughs> these movies are appropriate to be watching in a public venue, right? So right. I, I probably would not be watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High on my iPad on a plane next to somebody. Mm-hmm. But I do have, and it's the weirdest thing. Is that I do walk around when I when I travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, and this is really bad to call them this. I call them my catcher in the rye movies. <laughs> okay, that, movies that, that is I, very very bad. Yeah, dude. movies that I always carry around with me for just whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And murder. yes, murder. <laughs> um, but um, push no. push is an excellent movie. It is. I wish that. I wish that. Push. Something Real in good? the X-Men franchise would not have ruined... Maybe it came out around the same time as X-Men 3 or Fantastic Four. I forget when that movie came out mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. But something happened where audiences just crapped all over Push. And it is the perfect X-Men movie. It is the perfect mutant movie. It came out in 2009. Okay. Um, and it's got, you know, it's got uh, Colin Ford and Joel uh, Gresh and Digimon Husani. I don't know how to say his name. Digimon. Digimon. It's basically sure. got all of your Marvel heroes in this movie. Uh-huh. It's got Dakota Fanning. It's got um, uh, it's got uh, Ming. Uh, what's her last name? Ming Ming Wan. Uh, what is her name? Ming Na Wen. Ming Na Wen, and it's got Chris Evans in it. Chris uh, Evans is in it. Chris Evans is the lead in this movie. Oh, and it's all about governments tracking down people that have powers. In this case. Um, with Chris Evans, he is a pusher. He has telekinesis. He can mm-hmm. make things move. And then you have watchers and you have people who can see into the future and all this kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a got to get the MacGuffin by the end of the movie thing sure. where all these disinf- you know, these uh, expatriates all have to come together in Hong Kong and fight the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And it's a really, really great movie. And it's one that if I'm in a hotel room and I've got nothing else to do because I don't want to watch what's on HBO or something. Sure. Push is one of my go-to movies. It seems so odd. I don't know why. It just does not make sense. Well, here's my other go-to movie that is just always on my iPad for Uh just in case I'm stuck somewhere, and that's Jumper. And I know people hate... (laughs) They came out at the same time, didn't they? I I think they did. And I I don't know why people hate Christian uh, uh, Haydenson or whatever his name is. Hayden, um, Hayden Christensen. Christensen. Hayden Christensen. You are so bad with names. (laughs) I am. I'm really bad with names. He was just doing telephone books. Yep. Um... (laughs) But it is a kid who discovers that he has this power to teleport himself. Yeah. And it's based on a comic book series and a book series. Oh, it's nice. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's got Jamie Bell in it. It's got Rachel Bilson in it, who I just think is incredibly cute. 
Uh, it's got Samuel L. Jackson in it, Michael Rooker. You um, know, I remember watching this in the theater, and I thought it was awesome, and I really wanted a sequel, but that never happened. I really want a sequel to this, too, but unfortunately, it just tanked in the box office. Yeah. But there's this cool... The problem it's is you this can't cool, name the movie Jumper again. Sure, you can do, you can do that. It's, it's, Jumper 2. Jump 2. It. Yeah, Jump to It. There's a no, whole there's a whole series. No, there's a whole series. I forget what the uh, the book series is, but there's like Jumper colon and then the thing, kind of like sure. the, the maze. Jump up to maze the runner. The maze runner. Well, the they're in this in the Scorch Trials. Well, they're not in a maze in the second movie, right? Oh, spoiler, Stephen. Well, they're out, they got out of the maze in the first. Movie. Oh, you spoiler, Stephen. Come so, on. Um, I actually like Maze Runner better than I thought I. Is it I would. good? It's not horrible. Uh. The second one looks interesting. Yeah, I kind of want to see that. But yeah. so for whatever reason, Jumper and Push are both superhero movies. Okay. Okay. They fall into that genre so of that the superhero sense. film, but they're not mainstream superhero films mm-hmm. because, again, Push is not related to any comic book franchise. Jumper is just tangentially related to a book franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about them that I think are really good and they had a lot of potential. But I think because they didn't have. X-Men, because they didn't have Marvel, because they didn't have DC attached to them, people were like, I don't know what this movie is. I'm going to pass. But they're really good. And like when we went to Nerdtacular one night, I was super tired. And I was like, I don't want to – all the main little restaurants had closed and I didn't want to go have a a $100 steak. Sure. So I just sat up in my room and I had a nice hamburger for $27. <laughs> and afterwards, I was like, you know what? I know people are putting away things. I just want to stay out of people's way and I'll go down later to the game room mm-hmm. for a little bit because this was the night before we left. And so I just opened my iPad. I sat there and I watched Jumper for the entire time. And I love it. And maybe I only watch Jumper and Push maybe once a year mm-hmm. each. Um, but they are my got to carry them around movies. I don't know if they're my quote unquote good luck movies or anything like sure. that. But uh, I've noticed that at times where my iPad has been devoid of those, the trip has not gone oh, gone to no. plan. So I don't, you know, that's that that's that little weird aspect of it. But yeah, I just think that those two movies are are fantastic, and I know a lot of people really like Push a lot and wish wish that there had been sequels to that. But mm. now there's no way you could get a sequel to Push. Not uh, with those, not with all it. those actors that are. No. In. Uh, I think part of your thing, at least with Jumper, I haven't seen Push, is that it came out in that time frame where superheroes were starting to be a huge thing because I think Iron Man was out. Yes. And the Dark Knight trilogy was in, you know, well, in Jumper came out play. in 2008. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the Dark Knight trilogy had begun at least. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, so, Dark Knight was out at that point. Yeah. So you're at a point where the superhero stuff is starting to hit big and I think that Jumper suffered – from splitting the difference to me, um, not just the fact that I didn't care for the main actor, but the fact that it was it was spending a lot of time with superhero tropes and superhero bits and pieces and, you know, super fiction stuff, but really couching it in terms of kind of a standard action adventure thing. And then Morgan Freeman came in. I like Morgan Freeman. But yeah, I feel like it was something Morgan where... Morgan Freeman's not in Jumper. Nope. Yeah, Samuel, he's, he's Jackson. Totally no, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, I'm sorry. Samuel L. Jackson's in Jumper. I was thinking of uh, Wanted. Forgive me. I get those movies confused because I didn't like it either. But you get to a point in the film where it feels like they didn't commit enough to me to the super fiction stuff to where it would go to the logical ridiculous extremes. Oh, it went to lo- it went mm-hmm. to really crazy extremes in that. I mean, the special effects in this are fantastic. I yeah. think. Uh, I think their biggest failing is 
they didn't fully develop the world in Jumper as well as they did in Push because mm. there's some secret agency that's chasing these guys around, but you don't know much mm-hmm. more than that. Now, again, the book is supposed to, and I think I've got um, the volumes. I haven't read them, um, but the books go more detail into what's going on with these other jumpers and these other people that they're tracking down the secret organization mm-hmm. is and that relationship. The paladins. Yeah. So it, it ex- expands that universe a little bit more, but in, in the movies, they just, they had to cut out a lot of the narrative so they could focus on the love story aspect of, uh, of uh, Hayden and Rachel and him trying to save her because it, he screwed up David on something. Millie, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for someone who's not known the movie very well. I, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't know that movie. I said I didn't know Push. I said I didn't like Jumper, oh, okay. Which uh, is an entirely different statement. In in going with that kind of the movies you always carry around, Matthew, yeah. are there ever film or when you're when you're in a mood, do you mm-hmm. like to watch a movie that complements it? Or do you like to try to either curb your happiness or make yourself happy from a melancholy state, whatever that word is. Melancholy. Yeah, melancholy. Melancholy. Uh, by watching a movie opposite of your mood to try to shift you in a different direction? No, I'm weird in a lot of ways when it comes to that because I've always believed that if I'm feeling really melancholy, I'll actually listen to music and watch movies that exacerbate it. The other mm-hmm. night I was like, just kind of like, Oh, existential angst of being 45 and a failing organ and blah, 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 blah. And Midnight Cowboy comes on cable. And I'm like, okay, sold American. And I sit and I watch Dustin Hoffman slowly die for an hour and a half while John Mm -hmm. Voight looks beautiful. And it really kind of – it's like turning into the skid because by the end of the movie – you got your Harry Nielsen music and you got the bus and it's driving into Miami and you're like, I feel less, you know, less Eeyore, less melancholy, less Hamlet on a bad day because the movie embraced it and kind of gave it an arc. And I think that that's, you know, that's important to me is there are a lot of movies that I love because they are just so depressing. I, I wonder what, if I wonder if you like that because. By the end of that movie, where Dustin Hoffman's you know dead on the bus, and Dude, uh, you're, you're sitting you're sitting there going, oh, well, at least I'm not that guy, so I'm not uh, it's okay. I'm gonna watch I'm other. I wonder if that's some kind of like weird Schadenfreude of I'm gonna I, watch this crappy movie because their lives are nowhere near mine, so therefore I'm mm-hmm. gonna feel better. Well, I think that part of it is that a lot of times that sort of existential angst and that sadness that just sort of pops up isn't really focused. And when you look at that movie specifically, Joe Buck's arc and the things that happened to poor Rico Rizzo, you go through that and it gives it dimension and it gives it a solid beginning, middle and end. And I think that just like there are movies I watch specifically for the jump scares, I love the paranormal activity movies because sometimes you just you want to be unnerved, you want to be scared, even if you know it's a cheap re re mm-hmm. re. You know, Jason threw a cat through a window right before he attacked. That happened in every Friday the Thirteenth movie. There's something enjoyable about embracing that and. I think that a lot of my favorite movies have real downer endings. Even The Black Hole has a real downer. Not just downer, but what the hell are they talking about? Kind of psycho, over-the-top ending. Is it heaven? Is it hell? Are my nachos laced? What's going on? But yeah, I I feel like in some ways I really enjoy, uh, like say, last November – 
I'm I'm really kind of having a bad day. It's my half day and I've just gone and I'm like it's gray and it's terrible and I went to vote so I feel, you know, like the world is terrible and everybody hates me and I've done my voting and now I realize that the people, you know, are evil and the thing and the thing and I'm just a cog in the wheel and I get in my crappy minivan and some some weird breaking benjamin song comes on and it's this this emo screamo kind of low you know mm-hmm. minor key da, da 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 a guy screaming about the existential angst and the woman who he may or may not have loved and how now she's a terrible person and he sees nothing nothing of her and i sang through that song it's about three and a half minutes and i felt great because that song took all of that stuff and sort of channeled it and focused it into a laser beam that attacked that theoretical imaginary woman that he was mad at. And then I'm like, okay, I'm good. So I can, I can move on with my day. I can go on with my life. And then I can go home and watch Tom and Jerry cartoons. I think that I, I prefer something that really kind of amplifies the mood that I'm in. So if I'm like super weird and depressed and, and, uh, then maybe I want to watch some, you know, Ingmar Bergman and play chess with death. Do you do the same thing, Stephen? Do you like to amplify um, your emotions with film? Not. I or does it really matter? I don't does it take into well, seasons, seasonal stuff will certainly have an impact on what movie I watch. Okay. So, for example, when it turns into fall, like yeah. right now, when the first time that you have a day that's like 65 degrees and overcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch Big Trouble in Little China because that movie just feels oh, really? like a nice fall movie. <laughs> Same yeah. way with Back to the Future. Back to the Future will roll up here with an anniversary in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I will be sitting there watching it because it's that time of year to be watching that movie. Mm, so sometimes the seasonal or... Um, the weather will just impact what movie I watch because today sure. feels like a action yeah, movie sure. or today feels like a wacky thing. So I'm going to sit down <laughs> and watch, you know, this yeah. or today there was a really, um, I don't know, it's, it's super hot. So maybe I want to watch Dune or I want to watch, you know, <laughs> Mad Max or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. So oftentimes I think the weather or environment has a bigger impact on what movie I want to watch. What about holidays? Um, Christmas? Not does that so make you want to watch Christmas movies? No, because I don't. Uh, Christmas don't like is Christmas not a movie. holiday for me. Sure. It's not a big thing for yeah. me. So, um, <laughs> no, holidays don't tend to do that, but just definitely the season or a switch in the weather will mm-hmm. make me crave a certain mm-hmm. movie. But I'm not a, I'm not a, well, I'm feeling this way about something. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I'm feeling mm-hmm. happy. So I want to watch a comedy. Um, but I do have to get into, a mood to watch certain things. Like if I know something's going to be super heavy or if I know something's going to be super scary or intense, Mm -hmm. I really have to get into a mindset of, okay, I'm ready to be greatly disturbed. Right. You have to be prepared for it. What about, what about a good cry? You have a movie that'll just make you cry no matter what. (laughs) Most movies will make me cry. Most movies will? Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. All the Disney movies make me cry. Uh, There's that scene in back to the future where, uh, you know, Doc is laying there dead and Marty goes up and mm-hmm. then Doc sits Doc! up and he's alive Doc! again because he put the letter back together. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's so sad. <laughs> what about what about time travel, Doc? Oh, I know, what the hell? There's only one movie that I've watched that'll make me cry every time at the end. And it's very strange. Seth Rogen movie, uh, 50-50, what he did with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay, about, I've seen that one. Uh, you should watch it. It's yeah. great. It's when Levitt Levitt has like terminal cancer. cancer. It's about oh, his, yeah, 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 Rogan's yeah. story yeah. about his friend. Yeah, yeah. Every time when they wheel, I think I have it. 
uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character back in for his, uh, I don't remember where his cancer was, in his brain or something. Uh, cry every time. Can't can't stop it. The tears come. And like 30 minutes earlier, I was on the floor laughing so hard. <laughs> what, what, what Do you have a go-to good cry movie, Matthew? Uh, I don't necessarily. The last thing that I can recall making me cry was the end of the 50th anniversary Doctor Who special. Mm. Where the 10th and 11th and War Doctors are like, don't worry, we've been doing this a long time. And then you hear someone who is doing a really good impersonation of William Hartnell announcing TARDIS incoming. Attention, Central Council of Gallifrey, this is the Doctor. And then you start hearing the announcements from all of the previous Doctors, including the three who are dead. That teared me up a little bit because I was like, oh, that's so great because those guys are dead. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know. but that was actually a, a moment where I wasn't necessarily overtaken by the emotion of the story being told. I was kind of overcome by the emotion of the story outside the story of these, you know, dozen actors who worked with the producers and everything and did the, you know, the show for 50 years and how mm-hmm. it's now this beloved icon. But I don't necessarily cry, cry, but if I want to be at a point where I could cry, the last 30 minutes of uh, Moulin Rouge is a good one. Mm. Where they That's do the, the sequence, yeah. He, yeah. he throws down the money and he walks away and she starts singing and she's dying, by the way. Uh, spoilers. Mm-hmm. The first line of the movie is the woman I love is dead. My friend is still mad because she died at the end. But she sings and then the crowd turns to hear him sing and Widget is like, how do they even hear him? I'm like, shut up, woman. We're watching this movie. And then the thing and the thing and the sadness and the sadness and the ultimate sadness and everything goes to pot. And then he types the end. And I'm like, <laughs> she's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even care for Nicole Kidman as an actress generally. And that movie affects me so strongly when her character, you know, finally does succumb to what is it? Consumption. You know, that, that's a good one for me. But eh. I don't necessarily cry at movies. But then a lot of times I don't necessarily laugh out loud at movies either. Mm. You know, I'll, I'll be kind of sitting there and I'll be like, oh, that was clever. Ha ha. Sure, 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 sure. Well, that was a lot about our favorite movies. And I guess not even really our favorite movies, because you, you wouldn't classify Push or Jumper no, your favorite def- movies. No, no, no. They're definitely not my favorite movies. They just happen to be those movies that... <laughs> the movies that he watches I've got an hour and a half to kill, so I'm just going to watch these movies. <laughs> Isn't but, it weird that we have movies like that? Because I have movies that I'll watch. Well, like, I think we like classify them as our, as our guilty pleasure kind sure. of movies. Yeah. That I don't, I don't... I mean, I'm not popping in 2001, A Space Odyssey, on every moment I have. Right. Well, no, but that movie takes like forever. Well, yeah, it's like five days long. Yeah, but I mean, if, if for instance, I'm on cable and I, I go past a showing of either her or Lost in Translation, I'm I'm in for the hour, baby. Those movies show up. If I don't have to be somewhere, we're going to mm-hmm. watch those movies. Yeah. And, and part of that is the way I watch my movies. I don't necessarily intend to sit down and watch a movie. I have 500 channels of cable. And I'll get bored and start flaking around through the channels and I'll find something and just hang out there and watch it. Sure. Which is actually kind of fun because you're, you're, you're like surprised. I think you, you may be onto something. I'm looking in my movie list here, Matthew, where you're talking about 
uh, Push and Jumper coming out in 2008, 2009. I'm looking at another mm -hmm. movie, which isn't great, but it mm -hmm. kind of also falls into this, Black Lightning. It's a Russian movie where yeah. this guy finds like a – it's not an alien 57 Chevy, but it's a battered old car that – ends up being able to fly and he becomes like the superhero <laughs> of, uh, mm -hmm. of Moscow or something. And he takes on some bad guys. There may have been this time in that time period where other studios were like, Hey, let's try to capitalize on, um, Iron Man mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Batman. Yeah. How and, can, how can we and, capture this audience? Right. But here's the cool thing. They were trying something different, which is something that we've been talking about a lot lately is that Hollywood doesn't seem to want to try different things. And maybe mm -hmm. because Push and Jumper and Black Lightning didn't really do very sure. well, but at least they were trying and they were trying with respectable budgets and they weren't doing these really low budget. I mean, because you can find some really low budget superhero movies out there. Mm -hmm. um, that are really just awful because of their special effects. In fact, I reviewed have one up on you, have you seen Metal Man. <laughs> Is that that Japanese one? That's the uh... no Metal Man is basically a, just a stone cold Iron Man ripoff. It's, oh. it's <laughs> now one that I would recommend. That's a little bit actually almost a decade earlier, but kind of hits that same uh, realm. The Heroic Trio, featuring oh, no, the superhero team one. of Invisible Girl, Wonder Woman, and the Thief Catcher. Uh, what was that? Uh, there's a no. Oh, you weren't recommending it. I think it was uh, George was recommending it. I've got it. I haven't mm -hmm. watched it. No, there's a like a Japanese Fantastic Four movie mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. like I'm gonna have to find it because I know I have it here somewhere, and I've got a lot of movies, so it would take a mm -hmm. while to find. But it um, is really, really good, really good. Mm -hmm. um, but I th but I think that's what's interesting about it is you have all of these studios trying something different at this time with the superhero genre. And so for me, they're serving up something different. Mm -hmm. And when we look at comic books today, even, I'm not reading a lot of what people would can be considering the mainstream superhero comics because I want to find something different. I'm okay if it's superhero, but maybe I don't want it to be Superman every time. Maybe I don't want it to be Batman mm -hmm. every time. Maybe I want it to be some kid who can teleport himself anywhere in the world as long as he's seen it or been there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Who a, used to be in love with Natalie Portman and now he's not. Yes, and now he's yeah. in love and at one time married to Rachel Bilson. So there you go. They married Rachel Bilson? Yeah, uh, Hayden did. I thought Rachel Bilson was gay. Maybe I'm thinking of her character. Never mind. I she, am thinking she of She may character. be, but um, at one time she and um, Hayden were married. On How I Met Your Mother, she played a character who uh, married another woman. That may be what I'm thinking of. Because uh, uh, the only thing I know her from is How I Met Your Mother and then walking barefoot over traffic in that uh, ice cream ad. Yeah, Bilson and Christensen had their, their divorce. The couple split up in 2010. Mm -hmm. and, but dating again a few months later, Bilson and Christensen had their first daughter, Briar Rose, on October 29th, 2014. Wow. By the way, it's Jimon Hansu. Yes, I know. I don't know how to sp pronounce his name. <laughs> But it's again, another, 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 another Marvel Hansu. character showing up in, in push because Shimon. wasn't he the one that, uh, he, he was, was in uh, the pursuer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. So it's like, it is, I mean, it's a, it's got, if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's got like a 16%, um, reviewer rating 16, a, 16, oh. but it's got a 44% audience rating and there jumper is about the same 14% yeah. reviewer rating, 44% audience rating. But um, there's some about that movie that I just, you know, I, I just love watching both of those. And I won't watch them back to back. You know, I won't mm. watch them in the, at the same time. 
That's interesting. I will have to say, okay, well, this this time around, it's going to have to be jumper, or this yeah. time around, it's going to have to be push, and the other one's going to have to have to wait. But check it out, Zach. I think it's worth checking yeah, out if, you, might, if you're into I'll, horrible, I check it out. horrible movies. I, I enjoy push a lot, and I know a lot of our listeners have have commented that they really like push as well. Um, while we're just doing recommendations, really quick before we kind of wrap mm-hmm. this up, I watched Dear White People on Netflix this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, check good? it out; it's really, really good. It's like uh, shot like um, Wes Anderson and Spike Lee from Do the Right Thing. Mm-hmm. It's this really weird, uh, like whimsical thing, but then it's like crazy dialogue throughout the whole thing it's wonderful you guys should all check it out i am waiting for next week when dope comes out on itunes because that is one that i'm looking forward to yes i almost also watched uh me earl and the dying girl i've seen that pop up in my recommendations a couple of times but it's like somebody's dying i don't think it's gonna like we were looking through films to watch this weekend i was like i really want to watch it but I don't want to be that sad on yeah, a Saturday yeah, yeah. night. <laughs> if you want something that's if you want something that's quirky, yeah, um, look for Safety Not Guaranteed. Oh, I've watched it. Oh, okay, I love it. it. Okay, that's a funny movie. It is a funny movie that yeah. actually has time travel as a mm-hmm. core concept, and there's actually time travel at the end. Well, did you know that was like based on a real ad? It was in yeah, a magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a that's a fun one. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um. So looking into the future for Zach on film next week. It, it comes out. The Martian. Yeah, man, I cannot I'm wait for that. I'm very movie. excited for this. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, John Jones fan. I'm really wanting to see what they I do almost, I almost, I, I, on Etsy, I found a uh, WWMWD thing, which is what would Mark Watney do, who's <laughs> um, the main character in The Martian, which is something comes up with in the book. If you it looks it. like Thursday night, 8 p.m. Hey, want to make it a date? I think we should. Yeah. Buddy, next week the yeah. Martian, and then there's like a whole slew. We like went through a dry period of films. Mm-hmm. Well, we can, you hit that August, yeah. I mean, dry, is, dry time. We got uh, Back you to know, school. um, straight out of Compton, and then just yep. Jack Diddley. Yep. So now we got the Martian, and then <laughs> after that, Steve Jobs, and then we got some other stuff, Crimson Peak. So mm-hmm. looks like we might be talking about film films on Zach on film. Excellent. Yeah. What? That's crazy. Crazy talk. talk. That's the end of this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Go to Majorspoilers.com. Find this podcast posting page. Let me know what are your go-to movies. If you have an iPad, what movie are you carrying around there that you just need to watch? That you just always have to carry around You just around always with have you. with you. you just, it's, like, it's like a good book, but it's an iPad, yeah, yeah. and you're watching films. It's like different, but it's the same thing. Uh, you like? Do you like to make watch movies that make you cry? Leave those films down in the comments. Let us know what you're thinking. While you're there, click on the Amazon.com link and buy that favorite crying movie. Buy 50-50. You've never seen 50-50. I think it's worth checking out. There's some good some good funny, some good crying. It's not going to cost you any extra when you buy that link. Even if you buy the Blu-ray, it's not going to cost you a penny extra. But a little bit of that price will come back to Major Spoilers. And that purchase will help sustain Major Spoilers indefinitely for in the so future strange. so that we have a whole backlog of i think 15 years of podcasts even am i wrong it seems like if you were to start now and listen <laughs> one a day there's over i want to say there's over 1100 podcasts that you could listen to. that's at least 100 years if i'm doing my math right and all of those amazon purchases well, it's at least three years worth of stuff nonstop. well uh, i guess my math was a little wrong yeah but anyways, that money's going back to help Major Spoilers. Keep those servers running so you can download those podcasts for free, forever. For forever. For free. For forever. 
But that's it for this episode of Zach on Film. See you next week. This podcast is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.